1: I'm Kim Grinnell's of dogman.com with Stephen Brooks from the Spartan Tailgate, which is the 24 7 site for the Michigan State Athletics, all of that. But uh, Stephen, just kind of a slow
2: couple of weeks, not much going on? No, a couple of boring football games, very, very boring off the field happenings. Uh, really looking forward to the first bit of action in 2023 this weekend, right? <laughs>
1: You know, we, I was commenting with a lot of my friends. It just seems like we enter a new world every other month lately. So, uh, you entered a new world. What the hell is going on back in East Lansing, Michigan?
2: Yeah, I feel I feel like I'm stuck in a in a sort of a, a vortex between worlds. I guess because we are in this weird transitory period. Um, look, I mean, I, I, I try not to do the full play by play because I don't want to take all our time, and I'm sure folks have a have a surface level idea. Right. If you haven't, uh, I would just Google USA Today Mel Tucker, and that'll get you where you need to go because USA Today really broke the story in the most comprehensive way. You know, ESPN had some news right around the same time, but USA Today's is, is far more exhaustive and detailed, and, and really is what led to uh, where we are now. So that story comes out early Sunday morning, uh, Eastern Time. You know, quite a few folks have gone to bed already. It was around twelve thirty ish in the morning. Right, you know, after beating Richmond uh, again, you know, like I said, a snoozer game there, and so uh, Sunday, you know, you wake up to it if you, if you didn't see it before. And Sunday, uh, that that day, Mel Tucker was suspended without pay by the athletic direct, director, Alan Haller. Uh, Harlan Barnett, a longtime assistant coach, he was here with Mark D'Antonio almost his whole time. Left for a little bit to be Florida State's DC for two years under Willie Taggart, and that didn't work out. Came back under Mel Tucker uh, when Tucker got here. And has been here ever since so a former spartan player former nfl player a guy who has deep ties to the programs he was installed as acting head coach and then mark d'antonio was brought back um, out of retirement to serve as an associate head coach Uh, that was the news of sunday and ever since then there's been some you know a little bit of a war of words with mel tucker releasing a statement through his lawyer and then brenda tracy the complainant releasing a statement through her lawyer uh, sort of re- refuting his uh refute so they, they now we're into sort of the legalese you know war of words back and forth uh situation but to condense it all down mel tucker is suspended they have an acting head coach in place and there's you know for all intents and purposes or there's just in the real world you know there, there's going to be some lawyering that goes on but Realistically, you know, the, the outcome is pretty clear that one way or another, uh, Mel Tucker is going to be leaving the university. He's no longer going to be the football coach at Michigan State, whether that's an outright firing for cause or whether that's some sort of uh, negotiated separation and settlement or whatnot. I, I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. But one way or another, uh, his time leading this program is is coming to an end uh, sooner than later.
1: Harlan Barnett or Mark D'Antonio, who's the real head coach right now?
2: it's Harlan Barnett uh definitely I mean he's a guy who's been around the program that you know consistently he knows the players uh you know he's, he's still learning the full scope of the roster you know I don't know if he knows the third string QB super well for example but um it's definitely him you know he's worked with these coordinators right he, he knows the personnel mark antonio has not been super far away in retirement I mean he's come around every spring come around every fall he's usually at a game or two. But uh, and there are still, you know, a couple of players he recruited uh, hanging around here, including Noah Kim, the starting quarterback. Um, but it's not like he's been in the weeds, you know, to know their schemes and calls and everything. It's 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 Harlan Barnett's show. He's going to have 10 games to show what he can do, and who he is as a head coach. Uh, he met with us as, in the media for the first time on Tuesday and just talk, you know, as I, as I said, he's got deep Spartan ties. Uh, he, he made no bones about it. This is his dream opportunity. Obviously, it doesn't need to be said, but obviously, these are not the circumstances under which he wanted to get the job. But, you know, he is personally, if you could separate the two, he's very excited about the opportunity. And, you know, from his understanding, he said that, that this is his, you know, his his audition to show, you know, he should be considered for, for the main gig. So um, it's definitely him. Mark Antonio, you know, his I know I know—it's a, it's a headline and it's splashy and everything, but like I've been telling people. He's not going to be in there like drawing up blitz packages. You know, he's not going to be calling, you know, signaling things on third down or anything like that. He, I think he's more just to steady the ship a little bit. And, to, you know, to, he's going to be coaching the coaches, I think, as much as anybody. Um, I know he's a calming presence around that facility and that program. But he's really going to be a resource for Harlan Barnett, who, again, has never been a head coach. Uh, and just, you know, another set of eyes and outside perspective on some things. Maybe try this, maybe look at that. You know, he is the all time wins leader here. He's done a lot of things, but absolutely, it's Harlan Barnett's deal. And and he's been, D'Antonio is mostly just here as as an advisor, as a guide.
1: What would you anticipate atmosphere inside the stadium on Saturday?
2: Oh, so, you know, it's going to be, I think, an all timer, honestly. I mean, people are, there's so many emotions, right? People are mad, they're upset, they're embarrassed, they're sad. You know, nobody thought that this was, you know, can be an honest, like, nobody. Nobody thought this was going to be a dark horse, you know, Big Ten contending team. Nobody realistically had very high hopes for this team. The whole idea was just sort of do enough to allow Mel Tucker and his staff to keep recruiting at a pretty high level. So, you know, just just make a bowl game. Don't fall on your face. The the most common things I heard this offseason and and in August and everything were six wins, seven wins, eight wins, you know, on the high end in the best case scenario, uh, given the schedule and just given where the program is. So it was mostly about, a a transitory build year you know don't don't do anything to move the program back but you probably can't do a ton to move it forward yet either just sort of you know tread water a little bit while the recruits still keep coming in and and keep yourselves marketable on that front so now that that's out the window uh, I believe this will be the first game that beer is sold at the stadium so add that into the mix oh boy Um, (laughs) and I just know yeah and I know a lot of people are just uh like I said feeling for the kids so I think they're gonna release all their anger and embarrassment and frustration and and put that all behind the kids to make it as loud and nasty and hostile for Washington as possible. And, uh, adding to that, it's their hall of fame weekend for the athletic department. Uh, so that's always a a decent celebration right up there with sort of homecoming, uh, their 2013 Rose bowl team is having a reunion, 10 year, 10 year reunion for one of the most celebrated teams in the modern era. Mark D'Antonio is maybe his best team, you know, uh, the first outright Big Ten championship he won uh, when he was head coach here. And uh, on top of all that, uh, I think there's a good chance, very, very good chance that this is the first game that we see them wear their new all-black uniforms, which were a pretty big deal in the offseason. And that's something that the fan base has been clamoring for for a long, long time. So throw all that into the pot, and, and I think, yeah, they, they're going to have a heck of a stew going here. It's it's not going to be a, a nice, cozy environment for for Washington, that's for sure.
1: I'm on the sidelines, so I'm walking into a little bit more of a hostile atmosphere than I was anticipating.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's going to be a snake pit, honestly. They're going to do everything they can because, again, you know, people sort of realize what this team is. I think people recognize that, like, hey, we, you know, we have to be a difference maker if we're here in the stands. Like, we have to, this has to be a snake pit, a vat of acid, whatever you want to call it, you know, to give these guys every chance they can um, because Washington's that good they're 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 legit and i think everybody realizes that now i've been saying it up for nine months Uh now uh but with what the huskies have done the first two weeks i think everybody recognizes like oh baby this is this is gonna be a tall task
1: other than beer sales in the stadium which that ought to be interesting uh how's this team differently than the one that played washington last year
2: the high-end uh talent i don't think is is there in the same way um Well, in the, in Washington didn't see Jaden Reed last year. Uh, that was the game he missed. But he was a second-round pick, uh, 50th overall pick, the Green Bay Packers, um, that, that didn't play in that game. But Keon Coleman, they saw him number zero. I'm sure they've, if they've been watching college football this year, they've seen him again. Uh, he's down in Tallahassee now and uh, looking like an All-American. So they lost him out of the transfer portal. They lost Peyton Thorne, their starting quarterback from a year ago. Uh so new look, new look guys on offense, pretty much the entire skill, um, skill player positions have sort of refreshed. Uh, they've got Nathan Carter, who's a transfer running back out of UConn, who's become the guy there. He looks promising. If they're going to have a star offensively, I think it'll probably be him. But overall, it seems like mostly a collection of, of above average to good, you know, receivers and backs and tight ends. I don't know that there's, a, that there's anybody that's great there you know, like Keon Coleman could be a day one draft pick. Like he was going to be, and that's the thing for this offense. Like the, the, again, my, even when Cole, before Coleman left, expectations weren't very hot, like weren't super crazy. I should say, I mean, they were, they were reasonable. Um, but Keon Coleman gave them a weapon in every single game against anybody, you know, Ohio state, Michigan, Washington, whoever, they could step on the field and say, Hey, at least we got that guy. At least we get into the red zone. We can throw it up to him or whatever. He'll win jump balls. You know, he, he's a guy who can give any defense problems. They don't have a player like that right now. So it's kind of a by-committee approach at a lot of different positions. Uh, defensively, uh, they've beefed up their D-line with a bunch of transfers. They're way bigger there now. Um, and, they, you know, they were really unhappy with how they defended against the run last year. So they added three D-tackles in the portal, uh, a big defensive end in the portal. Um, Toon Miche Adelier from AM. He he's not a starter, but he plays a bit, quite a bit. But the back end is where it's really interesting. There's been turnover there. They lost almost all their starters from a year ago outside of Chuck Brantley, number zero, cornerback. So you've got three new starters. They're all second-year players. They're either true sophomores or redshirt freshmen, but they all came in together. And uh, they're all talented. I think they were all four-star kids, I believe, um, coming out of high school. But this will be their third game. This will be their first time really getting tested over the top. I mean, Central Michigan and Richmond just did not have the passing games to really threaten them. And, Washington I, is, I don't have to inform you guys might have the best passing game in the country so they're going to be uh they're going to be feeling that heat for real and so that's going to be very interesting to see but to, to, I've kind of rambled here but to sum it all up you know I don't think that their high-end talent is maybe uh is where maybe where it was last year but the depth of talent player one to you know player 100 on this roster I think is better than player 100 last year player 50 I think is better than a year ago so they're they're deeper and more talented as a whole, but at the top level, they're top 22, um, maybe not so much, especially in certain areas. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through
0: some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like
1: Is there a quarterback controversy there? Is everybody start comfortable with the starting quarterback? Or, you know, tell me a little bit about that.
2: For now, yes. Um, I mean, Noah Kim, it's been very interesting. He's had rough starts in both of these first two games. Um, he missed his first three passes last week against Richmond and then against Central Michigan. He had a rocky start too. I don't remember the numbers, but I mean he he had some drops from his veteran, you know, his his starting tight end who Looks like an NFL prospect if you can put it all together. His number one receiver, Trey Mosley, who's a fifth year guy. They call him Mister Reliable. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen him drop a catch, and he was wide open on the sideline and just just fumbled it. Just just squared right out of his hands. You know, um, not an actual fumble, but just dropped a wide open clean pass. So, and then he personally, you know, th- so those were on other guys, but then he sailed some and and missed bad, but then he locked in and finished really strong in that game, um, Central Michigan, and then last week he completed fifteen straight passes. Before he took a seat in the fourth quarter and gave way to the backup, so he really, you know, there's been some shaky moments, um, but it doesn't seem, you know, he hasn't done anything yet to make people question him. It was a pretty heated competition, and and he's the, like I said, he's the holdover from Mark Antonio's staff. He was a Virginia Tech commit at one point in high school that was like his only big offer, and it really wasn't clear how much Virginia Tech even wanted him, you know. So Michigan State was able to flip him fairly easily uh it just you know wasn't a heralded recruit and the guy he competed with was Caden hauser who was a four-star kid elite 11 uh prospect elite 11 finalist coming out of saint john bosco you know very prestigious program in california and he kate hauser was the first big-time quarterback recruit that Mel tucker and this staff signed so a lot of people have been waiting for him to get his shot and we're, we're pretty surprised frankly that he didn't um emerge as the guy in that battle and not only that but we haven't seen him until garbage time these first two weeks. It has not been a situation where Central Michigan and Richmond were just extensions of training camp. And it was like, all right, you're going to get the first quarter, you're going to get the second quarter, or we're going to give the, the number two guy you know, a couple series each half or whatever. It, it's not been that. It's been Noah Kim, number one with a bullet, and then Gap, and then number two, Caden Hauser. You know, he's only coming in in the way a traditional backup would. So um, that's sort of how that played out for now. He Kim hasn't shown anything yet to really go, wow, maybe they should open this back up, but the competition also, you know, hasn't really been there to, to test him uh, truly in that way. Yeah. um, I I think Michigan's game plan is going to be to
1: you know, shorten the game by keeping the ball on the ground, running the clock out. Is this offense capable of keeping it on the ground and shortening the game?
2: I definitely agree that that's what they should do and probably what they'll want to do, but. You know, they really no they have not shown the ability to do that yet um, to just line up and smash people. And look, you're looking at a, a, a Mac team that, you know, was picked like middle of their division. You know, Central Michigan's not like a Mac favorite. Uh, and even so, you should still be able to line up and just, you know, bowl them over over the course of four quarters. They really did. The offensive line has been a concern for several seasons now. Uh, we saw some of that a lot last year out in Seattle. Just it's. It's a group that's that's sort of in flux as well. They've got a lot of older guys. That, again, holdovers from Mark Antonio, fifth-year, sixth-year guys that I think personally have kind of peaked, you know, and, and their, their most talented high upside guys are probably second, uh, maybe a couple third-year guys, but but mostly second-year guys and some freshmen who are promising, but you don't want to throw them to the wolves yet. So the offensive line has not shown the ability to – to line up and give them the smash mouth element that they need to consistently run the ball, to bleed the clock, to go on a seven, eight minute uh, type of scoring drive over 80 yards. You know, they just have not shown that even against lesser competition. So that's, that's definitely what you, what I think they'd want to do, but uh, they haven't really shown the ability. I think the back, the running back talent is good enough. Um, Everything else is good enough, but the offensive line and the tight ends, I don't want to forget them. The tight ends have not been good blockers. This year, last year, the year before, you know, that's also been a problem for a long time that it's sort of easy to blame the O-line. And, and I think they deserve, you know, quite a bit of it. But the tight ends sort of end up shirking some of that responsibility, I think, for most of the fan base. And, and they shouldn't because they've been they have not held up their end of the bargain in the run game much at all. So they're just not winning dominantly, you know, or even close to that on the line of scrimmage. So that's that's a major question coming into this game is, is will they be, be, able, be able to do it against the first power five team they faced? You mentioned Nothing I've seen so far, you know, suggests like, oh yeah, they're just going to, they're going to be able to, you know, roll up 200 rushing yards and, and control the ball, control the clock on this one.
1: You mentioned the uh, turnover in the secondary and Michael Penix has got weapons. He's got, wep- he got yeah. five, five deep, if, if not six uh, at wide receiver. And it just seems like when he's throwing the ball, there's nobody even close to these wide receivers. Uh, tell me a little bit about that secondary Michael Penix is going to be facing. And, uh does Michigan State have the ability to get to the quarterback?
2: Sure. So starting on the back end, uh, you've got corner number zero, Chuck Brantley. As I said, he's he's played a lot since his freshman year. He's the only returning starter back there, back there. Um, undersized, you know, about 5'10-ish, 5'11-ish, maybe 170 pounds. His thing has always been weight gain. He's he's really struggled to put on weight. Whatever he's listed at, you know, throw it out the window. Um, he's maybe 170 pounds on his best day, so very light, but fearless you know he 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 hits like he's 210 you know he's he he's a big hitter a bit of a gambler um but very physical will come up and make plays in the run game opposite him is Dylan Tatum number 21 he's one of, he was a four star kid uh think he i think he's a true freshman or true sophomore I'm sorry um either way he's a second year guy I forget if he if he went past the redshirt limit last year I'm pretty sure he did uh he was a everything swiss army knife in high school running back db kick returner a uh, track guy, you know, very, very explosive athlete, tough, strong for that position, you know, just very well put together athlete, but still kind of still take, you know, still learning to how to play cornerback as well. Because his first year, he he bounced around from free safety to strong safety to nickel to corner, literally played every spot back there and didn't really put down roots until this offseason. But guy that looks really, really promising. Uh, number 43, Malik Spencer, four-star kid out of Buford, Georgia. Great program down there. It was one of their big recruiting wins uh in the 2022 class again second year guy um will be you know one of their best tacklers one of their best space players uh, you'll see him all over the place as their strong safety he'll come up in the box and make plays he'll he'll blitz he'll cover he'll, he'll be their dime linebacker you know if there's one guy that's like a future pro on this defense and i think there may be a couple but he's number one on that list he's, he's a very very good player and he probably would have been uh, much more involved a year ago if he hadn't gotten injured early in training camp but everybody everybody loves that kid and then number one jaden Mangum is their free safety he's a center fielder very skinny tall slender guy six three like 180 ish but again you know throws his body into you in a way that you wouldn't think uh, for a guy of that build so very physical um pretty fluid moves pretty well uh, not super twitchy or anything back there but does this thing covers the center of the field well uh very very good promising young player there pass rush is the question uh, I talked about built, bulking up the D line. They've definitely done that. The three D tackles they added are all 6'5, 300 plus. Um, so they they've bulked up there, but I don't know if they're I don't know if any of them are are naturally great pass rushers. I, I don't think so, to be honest. I think their best pass rusher is Zion Young, number nine, a second year defensive end. Uh he was an overlooked guy they got out of Georgia, ranked in like the six hundreds or something. And Flash last year uh was one of the guys that ended up being suspended from the Michigan game. And uh, didn't get to finish out the season, but he's been very, very impressive this year. And he looks like that real bend the edge guy. And then the other one, and I talk about future pros, number eight, Simeon Barrow, defensive tackle. Um, he's like a, uh, I always compare him to Geno Atkins. You know, he's maybe like one. You know, he's kind of a sawed-off D tackle, but he's very, very disruptive in the middle, very strong. You'll see him penetrating and making plays in the backfield. So he can give him a little bit of pass rush, but I do worry about, you know, if I'm Michigan State, their ability to create pressure with just four, especially, I should say, Jacoby Windman, their linebacker, number four, um, he was still playing defensive end a year ago and, and uh, had, had really had a rep been, you know, made national headlines his first two weeks last season because he had like five sacks and like five forced fumbles or something, three 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 and a half sacks to five and a half forced fumbles. Uh, he went crazy against Western Michigan and Akron last year as a converted linebacker playing the end. And then once, as soon as the Washington game hit and they started playing power five teams, uh, he was nowhere near as effective as a pass rusher. But still, he he still gets up on the line of scrimmage. He's still one of their better edge presence guys, um, even though he's a full time linebacker now. But he got hurt last week and didn't finish the game, and and I think he's up in the air for this one. So um, that's another that's another thing sort of dragging Michigan State down in terms of will they be able to create enough pressure?
1: Start off defensive lineman. I'm stealing that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He is. He's, he was a high school defensive end, like a big defensive end for high school, and they immediately made him a tackle. So he always had some moves and some wiggle to him. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's maybe he's 6'2", maybe, but uh, he's just, he's very, very disruptive in there. Number eight, Simeon Barrow. I think he'll be a pro.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bernard started his freshman year. I mean, he enrolled at Washington. They let him out of his letter of intent. He went to Michigan State last year. Now he's back at Washington. Any ill will yeah. towards Jeremy at all?
2: Uh, I, maybe there would be if Keon Coleman hadn't left. I <laughs> think Keon Coleman sort of stole all that bitterness. You know, I mean, people were excited about Jeremy for sure. I mean, they didn't know him super well because of what you just, you know, he kind of kind of just showed up for most folks, you know, unless you really are deep in the weeds of following recruiting, but he really just kind of showed up. It's not like he was committed for six months. Then he signed, then he enrolled early and then you he heard all, you know, you, they just really didn't know him. And he, what, he only caught like five passes here or something like that. I want to say, or may, maybe even fewer than that. Um, so I don't think there's a ton. I think quite a, quite honestly, a lot of casual fans are going to, they're going to say that on the broadcast on Saturday and they're going to go, Oh, who the heck is that guy? You know, cause in his one touchdown was, I think in game one last year. So it just, he wasn't a guy we saw a lot of late in the season or even middle of the season. Um, and again, when Keon Coleman left, I think he sucked up all the, all the oxygen in the room in terms of guys that people that Michigan state fans are mad at because he was going to be, uh everything for this offense. You know, what he's doing down at Florida state is what is exactly what people hope that he would be doing for this team right here. So I think uh he, got, I think Jeremy's got some cover from Keon. Yeah. Jeremy looks good. He, he looks, he looks, looked he looks, like a good player last year. And yeah.
1: So uh, yeah. A year from now, when you guys are back at Husky stadium, when uh, Washington joins the big 10 and you guys have another home, another road game on the shores of Lake Washington, who's the head coach for Michigan state a year from now? <sighs>
2: I, I I don't I don't mean to cop out, Kim. I just I, I, it's so early to know. I mean, not Harlan Barnett, not Mark Antonio, not Mel Tugger. I, I can cross those three off. You know, I I would guess. You know, Harlan Barnett. Look, he's going to have the opportunity, but just I just don't see that. I don't think this team is going to win enough games for him to really have a claim. And I just think that's such a high stakes gamble in this era where a bad hire can set you back so far, and maybe even. You know, never. It might never have been more perilous than than right now in terms of the way the sport's evolving with Washington and Oregon and USC, UCLA coming in. It's only getting harder. You know, to, you're going to be competing for the same recruits. You just, you really can't mess this higher up. You really can't gamble on a first time guy like that, in my opinion. You um, know, and, and the and the only reason I sort of sidestep it is just because I'm not. I can't be sure yet of where MSU's administration and donors and leadership are, are, will they all be aligned? Um, they've been aligned very, very few times in Michigan state's history and they just come out of this scandal where Mel Tucker really never heard. No, you know, uh, do you need a new facility? Here you go. You know, you want, and I own money. Here you go. You know, he he sort of complained about that, uh, in the preseason a little bit, but for the most part, he got everything he wanted, private jets, uh, recruiting budget, support staff, creative department, nutritionists, the new building, uh, the new football facility is, is just about finished, you know, all these things, um, and and obviously paying him nine and a half million is everybody ready to to do that again? Or does this scandal yeah. sort of make some of the donors and some of the leadership or whatever step back and say, "Well, we're maybe we're not comfortable going into that you know deep end of the pool quite yet again." Maybe they want to say, "Hey, we have to do that." Yeah, I just I can't predict yet where all the all the power brokers are going to be, and that's why I can't really give you a good name. I mean, are they willing to shell out to? to go poach a good sitting head coach somewhere at a power five level or are they going to be looking more toward a guy at a lower level you know that hasn't gotten a shot but I was also maybe proven as a head coach but just not at the power five level I, I just I got to know answers to those questions first about how much they're going to be willing to spend and invest before I could even get realistic about about anything like that.
1: Well, I'm sure Husky fans are going to be following the goings on at Michigan State, you know, throughout the season. We always say we a profanity alert, a little bit of a profanity alert. We we have one rule at dogman.com and amongst my golfing buddies, it covers pretty much everything. Don't be a dumbass. Mel, 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 come on, dude. Yeah. But uh yeah, threw it all away. I mean, he had everything right there handed to him, everything in his lap, everything a head coach could want, you know, great school. He's making a lot of money and all the resources in the world and. You, yep. just shake, you just shake your head so oh well i wish I mean, him the best he, I, I wish yeah. him the best hope he fi- hope he figures some stuff out so
2: um, right i mean mel tucker's not going to be in the bread line you know he, no. he's not going to be taking donations he's, he's going to be fine but 95 million that's generational stuff that's you know that's never worry about your account you know that's never look at your statement that's never worry about a penny type of money no he's, he'll be fine he probably is close enough to that anyway but 95 million that's that's, a that's net level. jet
1: money man you don't wait you don't wait in line for the airport that's net jet money
2: exactly exactly yeah. it's it's no it's don't even ask the price anytime anywhere ever again type of money you
1: know yeah let's go all right steven i appreciate you jumping on with us anything husky fans need to know about inside the stadium outside the stadium any any uh any
2: tips hmm. uh not not really uh i mean there's metal detectors this year that's their new thing so don't bring your guns i guess uh don't bring your flask because i guess because i'll catch that too like i said i'm pretty sure this will be the first game with beer so maybe bring a little extra money um but no just enjoy it i'd say maybe just get there early as michigan state it's the campus is beautiful you don't have the picturesque view like uh, husky stadium but the can't the surrounding, you know, mile radius, basically, is really, really beautiful, especially as we get into this time of year. So I'd say just take a little bit of extra time and get there early and just walk around and sort of get lost, honestly, because there's a lot of really cool places to to see and to just check out while you're there. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's plenty of other lists or whatever you can find online for like, you know, restaurants and bars and all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, that's, 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 that's all those ones are all the ones that you'll hear about are good.
1: Stephen, appreciate you jumping on with us. Hopefully, get a chance to meet you before the game. I'm sure you will be there. I will get be get. I'm heading out tomorrow, so I'll get in uh, late tomorrow night, and uh, we'll hang around East Lansing tomorrow and see what's going on. So, uh, Stephen Brooks from Spartan Tailgate, the Michigan State site on the 24/7 Network. Thanks for jumping on, Stephen.
2: Absolutely, thanks so much, and safe travels out here to you and anybody listening.